Hey, Nate, I've got some great news, man. That would be a first. What's up? So I just set us up with a distributor. You know, kind of serious, but whatever. You, you got to go through all their different uh, things that you do, initiation, all that stuff that, that distributors normally have. But uh, I think we got a good one. Distributor initiation. Who are we working with now? Uh, so the name of the distributor company is Black Sun. Oh, what? Dude, I don't know how to tell you this, but you just joined a gang. What? No, they're not a gang. They're totally reputable. I talked to a guy, seemed seemed on the up and up, and um, I, I, I think that this is going to be good for us. Okay, is, is that where the tattoo came from? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, they, want, they wanted me to get this tattoo. Tell you what, that's cool, that's fine, just... Next time we're out in public, just do me a favor and put a few meters between us, just in case. I joined a gang, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Enjoy your stay. What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, fucking club. Welcome, scoundrels, to another episode of Cloud City Casino, your destination for Star Wars and gaming. I'd like to thank you for visiting our fabulous podcast here in the clouds. And of course, I am your Baron Administrator of this facility, and your host, Michael Morris. And of course, with me, as always, Nathan P. Butler. Hey, everybody. You, sh- you didn't add your new title. You're not just a Baron Administrator. You're a gang pawn. Oh, that's Fantastic. true. <laughs> Nice, nice job. Yeah, I figured once I work my way up, then I'll, uh, you know, get a, a reputable title. Like, was it like Capo or something like that? Something like that. As long as you're not decapotated, as we we've seen happen in the past. Too, too bad. Too, too lame. No, that's a cartel. That's totally different. Oh yes, yeah. Oh <laughs> man, you went to Trump University, didn't you? Okay, so uh, what's been up, Michael? It's been a little bit since we did an episode. Celebration is kind of. You know, died down a bit. What's been going on? Um, just had some. Let's see. So, you know, outside of Star Wars, had a bunch of junk going on with my job, um, where I have to actually provide my own vehicle now, which was fun going through all of that mess. But, you know, I got it. I got my promotion, and now I'm doing. Uh, got a lot more time on my hands. I'm I'm getting out of work around like two and three o'clock most days. Nice. And I still had to wait for you today. But um, hey, I had to get something notarized. Yeah, that's true. The imperial notarization process <laughs> takes takes a while. The DNA tests and everything that they do to make sure that you're actually who you say you are and not a Claudite or something. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's kind of the same thing. And just in the sense that it's all been kind of the outside of Star Wars stuff. You know, the end of the school year for most teachers is when things kind of finally die down and you take a breath. But since I teach summer school session and have a couple other positions within the County also, it's been more like, congratulations, the semester's over. Now you get to have a bunch of meetings and not really any real break before the next classes start. Um, but I have had a chance to, to kick back and do some gaming, a little bit of gaming, um, but not in the star Wars realm. Cause it really isn't much in the way of new star Wars video games lately. Um, but uh, got a chance to start playing uh, Injustice 2, the sequel to Injustice Gods Among Us. Okay. Great game. Um, first game had a fantastic story. This one's story is decent, and it's a continuation. But if you've never played the original, you should, and the comics are fantastic. Um, and 
experienced another of those sort of eye-opening PlayStation VR things that I think kind of opens the door possibly for uh, uh, future things that maybe could include Star Wars. Uh, it's a game called Star Trek Bridge Crew, which has actually been out for other platforms for a while. But basically you're playing either as the captain, if it's a solo mode, though you can jump to the other stations, uh, or if it's multiplayer, uh, you could be the captain, the helmsman, the tactical officer, or the engineering officer, and each of them has different duties to perform, um, and basically you are coordinating with those in a VR space aboard a uh, an Abrams universe or Kelvin timeline, as they call it, ship, um, or you can actually do the original series Enterprise on these procedurally generated missions that are always a little bit different, um, though good luck with that because all the buttons look like Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> All right. Uh, like they're not labeled. They're basically Jolly Ranchers that you're flicking. Um, but I just the fact that you now have this experience where it's it's in a VR environment. You're seeing the other players and their avatars, but there's also that element of cooperation to be able to say, hey, you know, we need to go to warp. So the engineer needs to shunt some power over to the engines to make sure we have enough to go to warp. And then the the helmsman has to actually. Uh, plot the course and then has to actually engage it at the order of the captain and so on is actually a a pretty cool thing unfortunately we're still kind of at that point where it's going to be rare to find somebody who actually has themselves and three other friends all with a playstation vr headset yeah that's so a kind lot of, of the gameplay is like single player right now or just a couple people with some ais but um i like the idea of that sort of thing and it'd be cool again in a star wars space to someday see some type of instance in which we have a Star Wars game within VR that allows that type of on-the-fly talking together. I mean, this is co-op, but co-op in a different kind of way. So uh, it's been a fun couple weeks of gaming. It's just, again, not really Star Wars gaming stuff, because it seems like right now is all about Star Wars gaming news, which is good for mm -hmm. us, instead of actual games being out. So I have, I have a few questions about all of that. Okay. Um, one... Is pretty much all you do as the engineer is just reverse the polarity? No, no. That's Doctor Who that reverses the polarity all the time. The Doctor. No, I'm pretty sure um, Jordy's always reversing the polarity. Oh, that's true. He did. Next Generation did quite a bit. Um, <laughs> no, you're, you're. it's actually the weirdest one of the settings. You've got uh, three different areas in which you can allocate power. You're allocating in different ways. You're handling uh, sending repair crews to fix damage with a limited resource of repair crews. And um, that's sort of the resource management side of, of the thing. Certainly to me, the less intriguing and interesting of the four different positions. But it's still, you know, it's still a different type of gameplay. So you basically have almost like four different games in one, depending on which position you're playing. Okay. And now the other thing you were talking about was like with the playing with your friends or whatever, can is there not like an online type situation where you can just find um Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um but but I'm the trick to this one is like a, most multiplayer online games um say say like take your typical Call of Duty or something or Destiny or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um a lot of online multiplayer games especially on PS4 you don't have people on mic most of the time. Right. Instead you just get match made and you go in and you and you play and you kick the other team's butt and there's not a lot of coordination. Um it's usually when you're playing with friends that you'll actually have people on mic actually coordinating. This is a game where if you jump in and you're not actively coordinating you're going to die. It's it's going to be impossible now on the plus side the microphone on the playstation vr is built in so in theory you should be able to just jump in and everybody will be talking which is what i've seen so far right but language barriers temperament differences i, I feel like this is something you really need to have people that you know so the idiosyncrasies of, of just 
you know, being around each other and just knowing each other's quirks can help make it run. You know, kind of like that shorthand that you develop over time with people. Right, right. No, I, I, I totally get you, but I, because I was thinking that what they should do if, if they don't have this set up is, um, a lot like a uh, World of Warcraft would have um, their dungeon finder. So in World of Warcraft, it, it works sort of similarly, in which you would have your three DPSers, your healer, and then your tank. And it would look for that. So, for instance, if, you know, you're, you're doing your crew, it's like, oh, okay, well, you're uh, the captain. We'll go find the other part of the crew. And it'll mm-hmm. sort of uh, throw you in there together. Um, yeah, it, it, it'll it do that. It'll do a matchmaking type thing. You can mm-hmm. set it up so that uh, if you're in a session that actually right now is just you, you can choose to open that up to allow others. And one of the cooler things about it that you don't see a lot with console games, especially not with PlayStation 4 and PCs is uh, there is PC and PS4 crossplay. So if somebody's playing on the Rift or the Vive on a PC on this game that's been out for much longer for them, um, you're actually able to play with them, not just with other players that are playing on a, a PS4, which I believe is the same thing that they do for uh, the space combat in Eve Valkyrie. I believe that also pulls from both the PS4 and the uh uh, the PC community. It's a that's a, a, a decent community to have. It's just one of those things where it's definitely going to be more fun when you've got friends doing it, but you can't hook up more than one PS4 or more than one PSVR to a PS4. So you're going to need four of you, all of who have a PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 4 Pro, all of you who have a PlayStation VR, and all of you who have Star Trek Bridge Crew, which is almost a thousand dollar proposition for everybody, you know? It's much better than my normal thousand dollar propositions. Hey, um, <laughs> so uh, besides that, that, and ladies and gentlemen, that is why at celebration, uh-huh. Felicity Jones kept telling people she didn't want to be touched. <laughs> That's come on, it, it wouldn't, it, I wouldn't be propositioning Felicity. Did you do your homework? You may recall that in the last episode, I brought up the first assault tech build. That had been put out there that people were able to actually play and see what First Assault was going to be like. And I expected you to be like, yeah, I saw that. And you're like, <laughs> and you got homework to look at it. Did you get a chance to check out First Assault yet? Here's the thing. I, I did do my research. And what I found out was, screw all this noise. Uh, okay. <laughs> Please elaborate. That's I've given you the assignment of an essay on uh, why did Hitler start World War II, and your response is a one-sentence answer that said, dude, we're just crazy. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't tell me anything. (laughs) Right, right. What did your research find? So um, I I did look into the game, and I did find uh, anyone who wants to check it out, you can go watch a 20-minute YouTube video. Uh, that someone did. Now it's only. Well, hold on. I'll get into that. Let me let me get l- let me start in the right places here. So the the thing that I was going to do was I was going to attempt to play the game. However, all of the sources that I found are like, yeah, you can uh, actually play this. You just click here and go to it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And there's a zip file, and it. Uh, I found out later it was Russian. It's on some Russian website, and basically, I'm like, okay, this doesn't seem to be working. They're they're saying there's an issue here, whatever. And then I was actually able to look down in the comments, and everyone's like, okay, here's what's up. 
you have to go here uh, to this other website and then you can download it, put it on the disc, and then you can play it, but only if you have a modded Xbox 360. And I was like, yeah, that's... Good lord! <laughs> I'm like, that's way too much I, for a game. I've heard that... of complicated Russian leaks lately. But that? Yeah. Yeah, well... And, and here's the thing. I would go through that process if the the 20 minute video was more promising than what it was have you taken a look at this at all i haven't i was expecting a first hand account so what do we see with first i mean i know that it was a first person shooter mm -hmm. and it was supposed to be kind of more of an arcadey thing in theory because it looked like it was more of an xbox live arcade thing than it would have been a uh, like a full disc based retail game but that's about all i know Okay, what's, um, and you may not even know the answer to this, what is the latest uh, Call of Duty game that's out right now? Uh, I'm going to guess Infinite Warfare because that's the one that has out the uh, the free Jackal Assault mission for VR, but there may have been one since then. I don't think so, though. Okay, so we're going to say that one, right? So Battlefront is to that game as first assault is to world war or whatever like one of those earlier uh call of duty games were back on ps3 like it's it's not it's not very good it looks like a you know and, and that's the thing is obviously this was in development uh back at a a different time. We'll see. So, well, you know what? No, even for the time that it was in development, now that I think about it, that's still kind of, still kind of lame. It, it did not look like it was going to be a good game even for then. I mean, it's the, now granted, this is just the one mission that you can see, but even still, it looks ridiculously, um, what's the word? Just like very bland. Like, pretty much exactly what you would expect from a, um, you know, a meh shooter game. And honestly, the the number of changes that, that could be made to make it more Star Wars compared to make it less Star Wars, uh, it'd be much easier to make it less Star Wars. Like, I feel like um, this game... now. There, there was a game, uh, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the, uh, y you might know since you like Michael Stackpole, uh, Battletech, you familiar with that stuff? Why, yes, okay. vaguely. So they did their, uh, you know, their MechWarrior games, and then later for Xbox they did Mech Assault. Well, when they were doing the third one, for whatever reason, uh, something happened, and then they ended up not making it the Mech Assault game. Instead, they basically took all of the, the framework and turned that into World of Tanks. And I feel like that's kind of what happened here. I feel like they had sort of a generic Call of Duty-esque um, shooter game. And then it, they're just like, nope, now it's going to be Star Wars. Gotcha. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that it had to have been that way. It could have just been a Star Wars game that was pretty generic. I mean, certainly we've seen that with a lot of the mobile games where it's just slapping a Star Wars skin Oh no no something. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I understand. I'm just saying. I, I was just trying to give a um, a, a descriptor, basically. The and, and what I mean by that is that none of the 
like it, it, you're running around what looks kind of like Moss Eisley, but it's not. Sometimes it looks very much like Moss Eisley. Other times you could be in the Middle East. Um, the guns that you have, there was only one of them that kind of looked like a Star Wars gun. The rest of them range from Halo-looking guns to like AK-47s or M, you know, M16 type guns that like that they tried to space up a little bit. Um, I really did not appreciate the uh, the weapon selection. They do not look like Star Wars firearms. Um, just a lot. I don't know. Like I said, look at screenshots and everything. Like it looks so much more like a, like I said, a Call of Duty game. But with just very, very small um, hints of Star Wars kind of thrown in there where there's like, eh, give him a, you know, I'm trying to think like, oh, make his backpack a little more round looking. There we go. It's spacey. It's Star Wars. There you go. And I'm like, they've never had anything that looked like that ever in Star Wars. Well, shut up. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It just, it was very disappointing. So a couple things on that. Number one, mm -hmm. I should note here that the comparison of the Middle East to a wretched hive of scum and villainy <laughs> does not necessarily represent the uh, opinion of all the hosts of Cloud City Casino. <laughs> That's not what I was um, Let's see. Um, but also, it's interesting because the way you put that, one, I would say, uh, I guess the two things that come out of this, aside from just the bad joke, of course, um, is that's actually kind of the feeling in a lot of the reviews that I've seen, and I would probably agree with it to a degree of uh, a far point, the PSVR game that came out recently, that is an incredibly fun game to play, but it's one of those games that if it was not VR, then it would just be sort of the run-of-the-mill shooter. Decent guns, nothing to write home about as far as different weapon types, you know, kind of what you would expect. Enemy types... You know, you got your creepy crawlies, you got your aliens, you got your mech, okay, whatever. But it's the the VR and the immersion in the environment that makes all the difference for it. So I'm wondering if this is a situation in which um, their hope might have been that they could give us essentially a, you know, fairly basic, you know, meat and potatoes shooter. But by putting that Star Wars layer over it, if done effectively, that that was what was going to drive it, that, that, that's, that they were basically betting on the marketing to a large degree. Though, the other thing that stands out to me, in a sense, is, isn't that kind of Battlefront? Because when we were first talking about Battlefront, uh, we made a lot of comparisons to the Battlefield series, the gameplay, the way the characters move and jump, the, um, the different weapon types to some degree. Um, and I even actually played... Uh, one of the battlefronts, I forget which one it even was, one of the more recent battlefronts uh, right around the time, or excuse me, battlefields right around the time that Battlefront came out to be able to make that type of comparison directly. Uh, and it did seem as though in many ways Battlefront was the multiplayer battlefield stuff just given a shiny, really nice Star Wars graphical and audio coding. To, to some degree, would you say that in a sense then that First Assault was a precursor to Battlefront in that regard as well, that it was essentially, we're going to give you something that's basically these other types of games, but we're going to make it Star Wars with the spit and polish and the look of it, so hopefully you won't notice that this doesn't really feel as Star Wars as it should. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that that's the case. Um, you know, for instance, you, you, you talked about how... Um, 
that's how how Battlefront felt, but you know, a little shinier. The the thing is that this one is, it's now now maybe by the the end of it, it would be a little less thinly veiled, but nothing about see the the good thing I like about Star Wars is I feel like at least the missions feel like Star Wars missions. You know, um, this mission is like um, I'm I'm trying to remember what it was. It's almost like oh, you got to go. Um, set up like the rebels set up uh bombs or something and you got to go uh turn them off and um and then you get back to the quote unquote drop ship which to me I, like it seems like this was designed by someone who designed this for a a military game and it got turned into a Star Wars game because both the rebels and the um the empire both used drop ships and you know i feel like they're just like oh it, both drop ships look very similar like there's only a, a slight difference between the two and the the thing about it is, is i'm like i feel like the, it, this was supposed to be like a helicopter and they're like oh um we'll just turn it into a, a drop ship there we go boom and then for the rest of i mean like i said you could turn you could basically just switch the the lasers to bullets and then, uh, you know, like a couple of small little changes like that. And you're just like, okay, yeah, this is Battlefront or this is Battlefield, whatever. Um, you know, the, it, it would not feel like Star Wars. I don't know. To be fair, I'd say that there are some Star Wars games that really do feel quite a bit like Star Wars. Something like Republic Heroes felt very Star Wars, even though it didn't get as good a reception. Um Something like uh, The Force Unleashed is sort of like, what if God of War met Force powers? So it's Star Wars in that right. sense. But but I think about, with the exception of something, for instance, like the trench run mode, right? The battle station mode in uh, in Battlefront. I mean, you described a great example of, you know, the rebels go in, they got to set these explosives for sabotage on Cloud City. And then once they're ready to explode, they can get themselves to a... Uh, to an to a landing zone so the dropship can, and can evacuate them out of there. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, swap out the 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 ship with a helicopter. Swap out these guys for people in with camo setting you know C four charges, and it's a scenario that can be found in any military shooter game. Most right. of the scenarios that we've seen, at least with Battlefront, the vast majority of them could easily be swapped out into uh, into modern settings. But you're saying this one is just I it was say, it, yeah. it was just a, a step beyond when it came to just how generic it felt and how easy it would be to swap it out for anything else because the it was essentially Star Wars in name only. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sweeno, Sweeno, <laughs> Star Wars in name only. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's I, I I get what you're saying with with the current Battlefront and and yes, where that is the case, I do feel like it still has some Star Wars flavor here and there, and this one just I felt um, like it had next to none. So that's that's just my my opinion on it. Once again, this was not. I I don't think that this was, or, or I, I don't know, you know, how close to um, the final product this would have been as far as the the look of it. But you know, once again, it was. I mean, they they said it was a uh, beta, so I would think that's somewhat you know close to what what we would be getting and I, like i said i think that it would need reskins all the way around and i think that even some of the um 
I don't know. I think it would just need other uh, gameplay mechanics and stuff to feel more like a Star Wars game instead of just a, um, you know, a, a Call of Duty clone. Ah, so a game that's reminiscent to some degree of Battlefront in some ways that would have had its value in many ways determined simply by the price and whether the price made it worth entry. $60 game, no. Maybe $5, $10 game, possibly. But speaking of Battlefront and prices, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was going to say, we what got some about... News, some retroactive news that means nothing now yeah, it doesn't on Battlefront. Now. I, um, I, you know, I totally let let drop the ball on this if i would have uh if would have put out an episode way before now then this would have been helpful but it's not they did um and it wasn't just battlefront but they did the uh the ultimate collection or whatever the one with all the um uh da, 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 what do you call it the the um the older games well no the back catalog right nope nope uh season pass that's what it is i think right uh, oh, you're talking about the ultimate thing for Battlefront. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's kind of like a season passage mm-hmm. type of thing. So, yeah, that was 20 bucks back on May 4th. <laughs> which Very nice. So uh, so this brings up the question. We probably don't mm-hmm. really need to dwell on it, really, but I would ask. Um, we've talked before about whether or not, you know, say the Ultimate Edition would have been worth the price tag as compared to the original price and so on. Surely you would agree that $20 for the Ultimate Edition of Battlefront 1 even if you don't have a lot of people necessarily playing it as much now, um, that's a really that was a really good deal to be able to get. It certainly was a game worth twenty bucks. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, you know, like I said before. Well, I don't know with you talking about the Death Star <laughs> DLC. Sometimes I'm thinking, you know, Listen, buck fifty. Yeah, but I paid fifteen dollars just for that DLC, that half baked half-produced DLC for five more dollars. You get the rest of the game and all the other half-baked DLC. Oh, God, here we go. Eject, eject, eject. <laughs> Moving on to Battlefront 2. Yeah. Um, what's going on with Battlefront 2, aside from the fact that um, we can expect probably to see much more about it here within the next uh, couple of weeks at E3? There's more to it than just more is coming. Well, so there is actually gameplay coming. And that's going to be on uh, June 10th at the EA Play event. Um, which is, I think it's kind of like their type of convention or thing. You can go check out their Twitter. I believe it was where they're like, Hey, you can win passes to come and you could play battlefront. And I'm like, nah, I got time. <laughs> it is just like you walking into that battlefront panel at, uh, at celebration and being like, how are they going to screw this up? <laughs> come on. Come yeah. on op- optimism. Uh, so some players will be able to get a chance to get some hands-on gameplay, and that should mean that unless there's some type of non-disclosure agreement that happens, that we should be able to hear more about the actual gameplay from people who played rather than the people who are trying to get us to buy it. That's good. Um, what else? What else is going on with Battlefront 2? Well, so, uh, I mean, I, I think that because they're advertising it so strongly, I do think we'll get to see it. But if not, I'm sure somebody's going to leak something. Well, golly, it's funny you should put it that way. (laughs) See, there's a tennis match going on. You just got to follow the ball back and forth. Um, Yes, there were some leaked images and actually what appears to be about two seconds of leaked gameplay uh, for Battlefront 2 recently. Not sure how much to take it uh, as legitimate as opposed to just kind of taking it with a grain of salt. 
but uh, it appeared to be essentially a, a character selection or loadout selection screen, character class selection screen, perhaps for uh, a type of trooper. And then a very, very short little blurb that looks kind of like the ending sequence of Rogue One aboard the uh, 10TV4 if it hadn't been Vader chasing the Rebels and instead it was uh, those elite Inferno Squad stormtroopers. It looks like a, it's almost like a melee attack or some type of a takedown being used on one of the Rebel troopers with the, you know, the bedpan helmets. So we haven't seen much. <laughs> I thought you were about to say a takedown with a bedpan. I'm like, well, that's an interesting choice, but we'll see how it works out Shrek! for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's one of the, the special moves that you could do, but you gotta like you gotta build up charges to be able to do it. Apparently, um, yeah. So we got a leaked image, a leaked gameplay, possibly not very much to it. Um, we did have the trailer leak early, so mm-hmm. maybe these are legit. Maybe it's a pattern that we're gonna be seeing with Battlefront Two uh, information. But to me, it just didn't. It didn't. It didn't do anything for me. I sounded like, oh, yeah, it looks like a Star Wars game. Looks like a game. Okay, next. Did you get? Any excitement from these leaks? Well, I mean, they got me, dude. Like, I'm, I'm, I am excited about Battlefront too, and and the more that we're kind of getting from it and stuff, I'm, you know, it's it's getting me there. I, I I'll be very happy um, when we get the game. Um, you know, like I said, any any more that we get to see, I'm I am looking forward to seeing what this gameplay looks like uh, come June. Um, and you know, depending upon that, I'm either going to come back and be like, oh my God, it's so good. Let's talk about it. Or I'll be like, remember that Death Star DLC? Well, they just made it worse. Oh my God. It's so bad. Let's talk (laughs) about it. We'll be, we'll be the, the, the lesson of the day. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the good things we've talked about with Battlefront 2 is that they have confirmed that there's not going to be a season pass. Presumably there will be DLC. How could they not? Right. But that at least it's not a season pass. And you bring up an interesting question um, in the show prep for this. Um, Kotaku, which is one of the major gaming sites, it's kind of a gaming blog slash news site, uh, depending on what part of it you're looking at. Um, But they're talking quite a bit about how game companies are using this terminology of talking about video games not necessarily as just games in and of themselves, but that it's games as a service. This idea that you buy a game, but it's not so much that that's a finite product that you're buying, but it's a game that's going to be supported with more content, whether paid or not, as the case may be, and that's going to get patches and whatnot, that what you're buying on the disc, if you're even buying something on a disc rather than buying it digitally, (laughs) is just sort of the first course of that, um, and that perhaps they can... You know, there's a question of whether or not this means that gaming companies will start to charge more because they're expecting to be able to carry it out longer, or if you would buy a game and then essentially a service pass rather than a season pass and that sort of thing. And it's funny because it reminds me of something I got a chance to check out recently. Um, I recently got a chance to check out a screener of Rogue One, and it struck me that back in the day, screener copies of movies, and this is, this is my thing, it's why I wrote saga on home video which you can find on amazon and everything (laughs) there it is there it is Um, there it is you know you expected it to come at the end but no there'll probably be one 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 per show maybe um but no like as i was going through there i was researching and checking out different screeners and whatnot from the vhs type of era and the dvd era it really wasn't that big a thing it had a little warning on it saying this is not for resale or uh with Phantom Menace had said something along the lines of, you know, please make sure you adhere to the privileges of using this tape or whatever uh, and marked not for resale. But it was sort of a here you go. Here's your screener. We're not going to ask you for it back. Just 
please don't start bootlegging based on this copy that we're letting you use to check out for award or review purposes. Well, now, screeners, and I didn't know this until I got a chance to look at one of these Rogue One screeners, um, basically now they're not even referring to these as copies that are being handed out. They're referring to them as loans, even though they generally don't ask for them back. They're now tracking the individual copies with an individual numbered watermark on every copy's um, visual presentation. So if somebody were to rip it and try to put it out there to bootleg, they'd be able to spot the watermark and determine exactly which individual's copy it was that that bootleg came from. And it's even set up in such a way that aside from having packaging that talks about, you know, this is a loan and and you're not supposed to you know publicly display or blah, 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 this thing um, – it also has it so that when you put it in, it's just a regular DVD copy of the film. It's not even great quality because it's on a, on a DVD-R, not a dual-layer DVD, so it can't be as good a quality. Um, but apparently when you pop it in, it'll say something – it'll say that same warning again and say, do you accept? And if you hit yes, then you go into the movie. But if you hit no, it pulls up another screen that says, did you really mean <laughs> to hit no? And if you hit yes – or sorry, if you hit no, then it's like, oh, okay, you accept, and you go on in. But if you say, yes, I really did mean to say no, it just loops you back to the first menu again and just locks you in a perpetual hell oh my God. of constantly denying it. Um, it's this idea that as digital media has grown and as times are changing, we're seeing things that used to be just the standard way and you never would have expected that to change starting to change. And in the case of that – they're changing their approach to saying this actually isn't yours that we're giving to you to review. This is a loan. We're just never going to come back and try to get it from you. Whereas in this case, it's a we're selling you this game, but it's not really the game per se. We're selling you a service. And this kind of goes along with this whole thing with the consoles because, you know, in most cases for new consoles and sometimes new games that you buy – the fine print basically says that that console is something that you are basically licensing use of from the gaming company, you're not actually buying that piece of gaming hardware. So they can do whatever they want as far as patches and updates to it without any legal issues involved. So, I don't know, what do you make of this whole, not so much season passes, but games as a service and what that might bode for the future? kind of thing. Uh, so so a couple things. First, you talking about the the watermarks and all that it reminds me of I can just imagine if there's a leak and uh they then just sort of line them all up like Krennic and uh and they're like, "Oh, we'll just consider it a group effort." One of you <laughs> has leaked this to a torrent site. <laughs> oh, that, that that's sort of w what I was thinking of there. Um you know, I my my thinking on it is, depending on execution, this could be a good or a bad thing. Um, perfect example, like it or hate it, uh, World, of, World of Warcraft has been around for, what, over a decade now? Sure. And now, that is, that is a service, that is... I guess this, you may want to address both of these, but mm -hmm. I hadn't even thought of that because that's a service that you pay as a subscription as opposed to a service where you would pay once. Right, right. But So I, is um, that what we're talking about here? Or is that of. just a, another permutation? Um, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's going to be some similarities. Um, you know, like, like I said, with them talking about you know, essentially add-ons because those will, you know, they, they had the original, uh, wow, vanilla and you had to buy that. 
and then pay like 15 bucks a month to to play the game. And then they're like, oh, Burning Crusades is out now, so go buy that one. What I would like to see is something similar to that. I know that seems like a very expensive model, and in a lot of ways it is, but in comparison, if you're buying, uh, say... uh, you know, if you're buying a, a AAA title for $60 and then you turn around and you buy the season pass for another $60, that's $120. Um, so the, to me, the the pricing model um, is just sort of whether you're, you're paying it all up front or you're going to pay it over time. And then also there's um, the idea that maybe you don't have to... Um, you you don't have to um, pay for the the continued thing because you're you're already paying um, for your your uh, place was it uh, the PlayStation Online service thing whatever it is PlayStation Plus yeah yeah so you know so maybe you pay your your plus and then you just sort of get the new DLC for the game as it goes along um, but they sort of continue that on rather than coming out with a new game every year. Um, that's something I would like to see, especially for, you know, some, some titles that there's constantly the new one coming out. Um, the, the, a big one, uh, are, are a lot of the sports games. I mean, they basically release the same sports game every single year with slight tweaks and then charge you, you know, new game price every single year. And lots of people have talked about, they're like, why don't you just sort of do like an update type thing, you know, and people can kind of keep their same game updated and go. Obviously there's like monetary reasons for that or whatever, but, um, point is there, there's multiple different ways this could be executed. And I think it's sort of an interesting concept, but to me, it's a, it's almost like, um, it's a coin, you know, one side, good one side bad with a very thin edge between them you know and i i think it's going to go one way or the other um i don't even really want to speculate as to which way i think it's going to go because i don't know yet but like i said i think it could be very good for gaming or very bad for gaming so two things pop up with this model um that based on some of the stuff that you said one would be Say we do do the update thing. Mm-hmm. Say we wind up, and I don't think you can necessarily tie it into something like PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live Gold. Though if you did, then you know there'd be exclusives on one platform or another because each company would be jockeying to get people to want to use their service rather than the other. You already see that with you know certain oh, yeah. DLC getting timed exclusives on one console or another. But it strikes me if it is updates, especially on things like you know, you know, as you were saying, sports games and whatnot. I know, you know, it's. It's a taboo area to mess with the sports games, as people probably say in the White House today, and they would have said back in the 90s, keep your hands off my FIFA. Um, But it strikes me that, uh, euphemism there, um, if they were to go to updates, wouldn't that basically mean that content would be able to be delivered and perhaps would be only delivered digitally? And if that's the case, that completely cuts out the physical game market from that updating process more than likely. So if I'm going to pay to to add on to Battlefront 2 to be able to play it for a couple more years worth of new content, and I'm paying for this service that they're providing, 
then all of that is going directly to them theoretically or through the PlayStation Network store or whatever. But it's going to them. It's bypassing Walmart. Uh, it's bypassing the the great, you know, I have a $60 game. Well, I'll let you trade it down for two aspect of GameStop. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But so on the one hand, I think that, that that's probably going to start throwing us more towards digital even more than it already is if that's the case. But then I would also ask if we do get to a point where – we see console games with subscriptions, and you don't see that very often. World of Warcraft not being a console game, but yes, it has a subscription fee for a while there. You had your subscription fee and whatnot with Star Wars The Old Republic. Um, but if that's the case, I, I think of that compared to something like Destiny. Uh, not Star Wars Destiny, but Destiny. Uh, or Defiance, where there were these big games, these massive multiplayer games that went on and on and on and had DLC, but they supported it in a very long period of time, which was very costly to the companies to do. Uh, and their justification was we need the DLC to be able to pay even part of the costs of keeping this up and running for all the players, but we knew what we were getting into when we got into it. So I'm wondering, does this just make it so that a company making a game like a Destiny uh, that's going to have that continued support is just going to be you know, making more profit because they'd be able to actually pay the bills better? Or should we as an audience, if we do start paying it on that type of model rather than the current model with DLC packs and whatnot that are one-time payments, should we start expecting more from the companies than we already do? Just like when we had to start paying paying for PlayStation Plus um, on – or start, started pay, had to pay for PlayStation Plus to get multiplayer access on PlayStation 4, it was a, it was a whole – okay – but you better not have the outages that you did prior to us paying for this subscription service. You know what I mean? Should we expect more out of them if we're paying in a different way? I think so, yes. And and the reason I think so is because actually uh, the, the way that this is all going, it should be less overhead for them. Because it's extremely expensive to not just make these games. Like you have to consider the actual physical cost of the disc, the, um, you know, the, the manual, the artwork, all of that. But then also the, the prices for shipping, you know, you have to ship these to every single, uh, distributor and, and, uh, you know, make sure and keep up with, with their copies and everything, as opposed to just now, granted, I, I realize it's not as simple as like throwing up uh, a pair of shoes on eBay, but, um, the cost of, doing all of this digitally are and, and, and the, uh, the upkeep and everything like it's a lot better for them um, you know financially to, to do it that way um, th I mean that's something I know that a lot of video games have been wanting to move toward for a while and, and, and a lot of it is because of the fact that um, you know like they don't particularly care for like the game stops you know um, you remember when the Xbox One got into all that um, that heat about how they were doing their um, their system? Yeah, back initially? back when they when when they had the original plan of how you were going to be able to have the uh, the the user access to the games and how it wasn't going to make it easy to just trade it or loan the game and mm -hmm. and the guy from Sony came out and said, "Here is how you will be able to share games for PlayStation." Here, friend, you can borrow this. Thank you. Which is one of the most brilliant yeah, oh, marketing yeah. things I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. No, th that was fantastic. But um, the, the reason for that um, 
Microsoft, I think, just sort of uh, jumped the gun and were a little heavy-handed on it. But the reason why is because they don't, you know, they they lose money on these, um, you know, the, these uh, uh, GameStop, you know, pre-used games. So they would rather you do that. And and the way to ensure that is digital downloads because there's you don't have to worry about. Um, you know, someone being like, oh, I played it and took it back and then someone else bought it, you know, and it's basically two customers, one, uh, you know, one price point for them at least, uh, whereas now everyone's buying it digitally. So I think this, this type of, um, model really kind of moves toward that. And I really think that that's a thing that they've been wanting to move toward. And I, and I think this is just sort of a new, uh, sort of a, a new marketing strategy or whatever to try to to get them to the bigger picture. And further, I, I may have talked about this before, but uh, when was the last time you went into a GameStop? Uh, some pre-order that you couldn't get anywhere else. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was a Disney Infinity thing. Possibly. Oh, no, wow. That's what it was. It was a, a Disney while. Infinity exclusive light up lightsaber version of somebody. <laughs> it wasn't okay. even an actual game I was picking up. Okay, so <clears throat> anyone else who would go into a GameStop will notice that they have got to where the like half of the store now is, you know, the Funko Pops and uh, statues and stuff like that and t-shirts and, and little tchotchkes and whatevers, you know. And the reason for that is because GameStop sees the writing on the walls. Uh, they've closed, mm-hmm. I, I forgot the actual number, but they've closed a ton of GameStops. They are continuing to close GameStops. Um, and all the while, they're opening up Think Geek stores. Um, they're, they're basically moving away from uh, video games because they see that physical video game um you know, pre-used video games is just not the way to go. They don't want, because GameStop does not want to sell new video games. Um, and video game publishers do not want, uh, you know, don't want you buying used video games. So it's just not a very good, uh, system because, you know, they make, I don't know the exact amount. I can tell you uh, back when I worked at Best Buy, they told us that it was like less than a dollar that they would make off of uh, video games. I don't believe that. I think that that's, um, I think that's untrue. I think it's more than that, but as I do think that it's uh, very little money per copy. So, um, however, you know, if you look and they're like, I'll give you $5 for this brand new video game. And you're like, okay. And then they go sell it for like $55. You know, they get a, a mm-hmm. much larger uh, cut on that. It's it's not that much, but, you know, they, um, or, you know, they don't offer you that little, but they don't offer you a lot. And then, you know, they turn around and sell it. So they, they make uh, quite a bit of profit on their used games, which is why they push used games a lot. Um, that and then, of course, their, uh, their pre-order stuff or whatever. So. Uh, I know we went kind of long on that, but well, that, that me, was basically. Let me talk, uh-huh. toss in some final thoughts before yeah, we move on, please. Yeah. Ooh, he actually let me. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Awesome. <laughs> it's good to be the boss's favorite. It's also good to be the only employee. Um, <laughs> so, and I would say that that is also apparently the, you talk about the GameStops closing and whatnot, that apparently has been part of the reason for the upswing in the pushiness of the counter people. 
Um, there's always been sort of that directive, you know, hey, would you like to pre-order this? Would you like to pre-order this? Would you like to pre-order that? Would you like to do this? Would you like to that? Would you like to join our club? Would you like some free magazines? Except they're not really free because you got to sign up for this kind of stuff. Would you like a back it's, rub? What? <laughs> yeah, what GameStop are you going to? <laughs> um, uh, the the pushiness has always been kind of part of the marketing. It's make sure you do this. But all kinds of places, you know, you upsell, you know, would you like to supersize that back, you know, before everybody was all concerned about getting obese, you know, as I look down at my flab, um, a little bit of flab, it's not much, um, but just this idea of a- as that ship is sinking, it does appear that those that are sticking around are basically being whipped harder as if, you know, hey, you were the slaves who were o- who were rowing this ship. And yeah, we know there's a giant hole in it, but just keep rowing because somehow you're going to outrace sinking. Um, and it's just making things from what I'm understanding, just from the few people that, uh, that I've either spoken to or heard anecdotally secondhand about uh, being employees at GameStop right now is that it's, it's made for a pretty, pretty ugly atmosphere sometimes. Um, as to the prices thing, I would say that one, I don't know that you're ever going to get rid of a secondhand game market until it is all completely digital because you are still going to have people, you know, if I'm not going to take it to GameStop and trade it in, I will sell it off to a friend. I'll put it on eBay or whatever. Um, though they are doing a, a little bit of, of sort of a, a barrier to that already with things like uh, digital one-time use codes. Like, hey, here's a package that is all talking about you get all this stuff in it, but oh, like say Battlefront Ultimate Edition, but oh, it's actually just a Battlefront disc and the Ultimate stuff is downloadable stuff. And once that code is used... All you're trading into GameStop now is a regular version of Battlefront in an ultimate package, um, which is just decreasing the value. But I'm very curious. I mean, I want to know what happens to digital prices for digital games when the used or completely all the physical game sales goes away and it does go completely digital. Because it seems like right now supply and demand doesn't have as much sway over those digital prices as it probably should or at least speaking as an econ teacher the invisible hand so to speak that shifts prices based on supply and demand works much more slowly in the digital market when you're talking about at least the console stores because you don't have other options you can do different ways to play games on pc if you want to play ps4 you buy it through psn store if it's digital and you know xbox same kind of thing you're gonna have to download it through their uh, uh the xbox live but it struck me that, for instance, when I was going to – I picked up a game called Loading Human Chapter 1 for PlayStation VR. I would never have paid the asking price on that game of 40 bucks. And here, quite a while after release, you can find it almost everywhere for much cheaper. I was able to find it at Target for half price in the bargain bin, and it hit the bargain bin like two months after release. And yet PSN was still, the last time I checked, selling it for the full $40. Um, yes, digital allows them to make more profit, but you would think that that would also mean that they would be able to use price changes, particularly price drops, as a way to drive more people into buying things more often. But instead, it seems as though it's the digital prices that stay static, whereas the physical prices that are out there in more of a uh, a, a basic capitalism kind of marketplace, that's where you see the prices dropping. So it may stink to be able to get crap for your trade-ins at GameStop, but – if a used copy, a secondhand copy, or a copy that's been sitting on the shelf for months that's gotten a markdown sitting on that GameStop shelf is going to be half the price of me buying it digitally on PSN, 
Much as I would like to have a digital copy and it's easier for me to do, screw that. I'll make the trip and I'll go buy the half-price game. There's got to be something that happens with the prices of video games in the digital market before digital can stand on its own. Because right now, even as bad as the physical game market is, is being pummeled right now by digital, there are still certain aspects of it that, that turn out to be better for the customer. Well, do you know why that is? Because I actually know why that, that's the case. I have no idea. Um, so what what it comes Unless down it's some to kind of distribution deal or exactly, something. Exactly, that's exactly what it is because of their um, their distributors and everything. They basically um, don't they don't want to mess with them, and, and a lot of times, um, you know, it, it, it kind of balances out in comic books. You see this a lot, and and it seems to be getting somewhat better in comics from the way it was a few years ago when I was really seeing uh, a lot of the push um, for, you know, some of the, the digital stuff, but, um, also comic books, I think are in a little bit different situation than video games to where they can be like, okay, brick and mortar store, like, um, you know, you're, you're not keeping the, the lights on. So we're, you know, we can sort of just tell you to go away. Whereas, uh, video games may not be able to tell Walmart that quite the same, you know? Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. But again, yeah. I just, I don't know. I know that some, at least some companies aren't able to just sort of dictate what their pricing is going to be when it comes to the digital outlets. Some do, some don't. I just, I don't know. So, something seems off. The econ teacher in me who watches these types of things looks mm -hmm. at the digital game market and is like, something, there's a disequilibrium in there somewhere, but, yeah. but that's, that's getting really, really nerdy. Speaking of nerdy, <laughs> if you really want to be, uh, uh, geeking out on some games, whether we're talking board games, video games, what have you. Uh, there's a couple of big events coming up that we'll be expecting news from, of course. Um, before we move on into the uh, non-console games and into the, the tabletop games and such, what are those two big events that we can keep an eye out for so folks can watch their news feeds and, and Facebook and everything to, to know what's happening in the gaming world? So we've got um, Gen Con coming up uh, August 17th through the 20th which is your, uh, it's going to be your tabletop game. A lot of the local X-Wing players uh, head up to that. And then in June 13th through uh, the 15th is going to be E3. So that's probably going to be where we're going to hear some more Battlefront news. Maybe that, uh, you know, maybe we're going to hear something about that uh, mystery game from uh, Amy Henning. Very cool. Hopefully, hopefully so. Um, the first one, Gen Con, though, I do, I much prefer their newest version um, of the convention to the old one where it was all about tabletop games and OJ Simpson. I really did not like the Gin and Juice Con. Sorry. <laughs> wow. There's a lot of news that's come out from Fantasy Flight Games. It seems like after a long drought of not hearing much of anything and then having celebration where we still didn't hear a whole lot, now is the big wave of announcements coming in so uh, a whole lot there was practically nothing it's, listen fantasy flight i love you so much as a game company i think you do a terrific job but as a you know or as a game maker i think you do a terrific job but as a company i think sometimes you make decisions that don't really bother me but i don't think they're that good for you um and Putting all of your announcements before and after Celebration and then not really having any sort of an announcement at Celebration 
kind of not the way you should have done that. Just saying, just throwing it out there as a friend. Just, just saying. Well, at least it's a lead up, though, and get people psyched for for Gen Con. Although it's it seems a little early for Gen Con. E three, of course, is coming before that. Um, but I don't know. Where do you want to start? You want to start, you know, X Wing? Are we talking Imperial Assault? Pick one and let's roll. Pick one and go. Uh, I mean, I'd probably just jump straight into the the biggest thing here, which is the the new announcement from X Wing, which is the uh, Guns for Hire expansion pack. Um, and this is this is kind of big because I love when they do this. Typically, that's their, um, you know, in the past they've called them like the Aces pack. So you would get your Imperial Aces or your Rebel Aces. And really, what what this is is a fix for these two ships. And those ships are the the Kirax and the uh, oh I can't even think of the other one now the, the, the Star Viper. There that we sounds go. Like it should be coming out of. Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I was about to call it the Cobra. I'm like, but this is a right. Mark II Star Viper, though, not the original, from what I'm understanding, right? They sort of tweaked the ship. Well, the Mark II is the upgrade title that you can use um, to make it not terrible. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, the, the main thing, of course, is the, the, the ship titles. And I, I really like the first one. Um, for the uh, the Kirax, I really like it a lot, and I can't I can't read it really well um, because it's teeny tiny, but it essentially says that um, the squad point cost of your equipped upgrades is reduced by one um, to a minimum of zero, and then you can also equip up to three different modification upgrades, and I love that because it goes with the the lore of what this ship is which is it's um it's kind of the x-wing it's it's like a um uh, uh what do you what do you call it uh not a citizen but uh, you know you're you're more um private sector x-wing or whatever you know but, but so it's, it's not like a military grade but the cool thing about it too is that it's very uh they're they're like super modifiable so I think the idea that you can throw on three modifications and that they've reduced the the price of them that's really cool. Like I said, it goes with with the theme of that ship. Yeah, the look of these ships is pretty cool, and I like the idea that they're basically giving you again. They do this all the time, where they do like the aces, as you mentioned, where they just take some previously existing ships, they do a new paint job, throw some new cards at us, and put it in a pack of two. Um, but in this case, it seems as though it's giving these ships kind of a new lease on life. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, um, it's kind of neat. They're, they're not having to conform to, um, in this case, previously existing characters. I love the idea of having characters as the pilots in these games um, because it gives you that feeling of familiarity with them. But then they're always trying to sort of make sure that somehow the game mechanic, it, it fits the character in some way, even if it's only a minor way. But it seems as though, for the most part in this case, for their... Red and black, which for a snake means not poisonous, boys and girls. Um, the red and black Star Viper and the black and white Kirax. What they've got going here for Scum and Villainy is a nice selection of characters that appear to, if they've come from anywhere, I believe they're coming from other Fantasy Flight game Star Wars stuff. 
uh, rather they're from uh, I guess are uh, spies of bounty hunters from Edge of the Empire and Force and Destiny, which means they're not characters that are going to have a heavy uh, audience connection backstory, so they can hopefully be a little more daring with what they do for each of these different pilots and and what their abilities are going to be. Uh, Victor Hell is the example that we get in their news bite for the Kirax fighter. Uh, after defending, if you did not roll exactly two defense dice, the attacker receives one stress token. It's kind of a nice way to sort of punish that particular situation. Plus, you can do all kinds of modifications on them. Um, I don't know. I think that this is, I guess it sort of felt has felt to me for the most part, like a lot of the aces that we've gotten have been decent beyond the originals, but haven't wowed me. This feels like, particularly with the modification aspect that you were talking about, um, that maybe this is starting to lean towards the wowing aspect. Maybe we're going to get one of these uh, repaint pairs that feels essential for Scum and Villainy. And I don't know that Scum and Villainy, I mean, at least from, my, from what I've seen, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of Scum and Villainy must-haves. It tends to be something where you just kind of go with what feels right to you. You think this could be the first of the must-haves to give some people some more use out of their Kiraxes and Star Vipers? Well, I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of good stuff in uh, Scum and Villainy, but these ships aren't it. I mean, th these are ships that are not getting played. And that's what I love about um, the way Fantasy Flight does things. They don't just say, oh, um, you know, the, the Kirax got left. You know, no one seems to care about that ship. We're, we're just not going to worry about it anymore. And it's just going to sort of... Uh, become a footnote they're going to say no what do we need to do to make that kirax a good ship and they're they're constantly trying to you know to uh resurrect these ships that just kind of don't work out i mean like we saw with the uh the scum and villainy um the the big ship the the epic ship i can't remember what it was the sea rock the one from rebels yeah Yes, yeah, Sakatra Visago ship. Yeah. Thing. We do also, of course, um, for X-Wing, they do still have uh, another wave coming up soon. They posted some previews, including the uh, TIE Aggressor. So mm -hmm. uh, we can expect the the new Scum and Villainy uh, two-pack to come in the third quarter of 2017, they're saying. And then they're, they haven't given a date, but they're doing the whole, you know, head to your local retailer today to pre-order a copy of the TIE Aggressor, et cetera, et cetera. So... I mean, it seems like that wave is probably right on the cusp of finally being released. So, on the boat. Which means nothing. On the <laughs> boat can take forever when it comes to Fantasy Flight status updates. Yeah. Oh, Fantasy Flight. So, someday, someday I'm just going to, I'm going to be playing an X-Wing game against somebody, and I'm going to need to step away and use the restroom, and, and I'm simply going to leave a little post that just says, on the boat. That way, it doesn't matter how long I take, they know I'll be back. Right, right. Someday. Instead of AFK, it's OTB. So OTB. this aggressor is, is kind of interesting, though, um, because this is uh, Imperial finally getting turrets. Yeah. And uh, it, I think it's kind of cool that, I mean, 17 points. Um, I, I would have to go and look and see what uh, some of the costs were for other uh, ships that, that have turrets. But 17 points ain't bad. Um, and I'm, they haven't run out of tie variants yet. Oh <laughs> God, they never will. Some of those look. <laughs> I've seen look. some of the more obscure ones, though. So, oh. they, they, yeah, they've got plenty of ties to go through. But it it always makes me laugh every time I see a new wave come out. It's like, oh look, they found another tie. What's that variant? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, that's I mean, that's pretty much in line with 
you know, the films. I, 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 I won't beat up, um, I won't beat up story group or fantasy flight or anyone for being like the empire. All of their dog fighters are tie fighters. I'm not going to beat them up for that, but some of the past tie fighters that, that have come out are just, uh, they lack any sort of imagination whatsoever. They're like, well, we just took and we took a, the, the wing and then we just slapped another one on top of it. And I'm like, well, how do they get into the cockpit? Uh, here's your story. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I hate yeah. You. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> and it's a, it's part of another of those small ways. We got the the skurg coming alongside it and the uh, it took, mm-hmm. but there is just three for that wave. So I'm kind of hoping the Sea Rock releases alongside these and they show up all at once. But that oh, may be a pipe dream. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and 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 uh, to specify, just so anyone knows, I actually don't hate this one. It's it very much looks like. They chopped some of the wings off of the advanced and then just threw a turret on the back, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it, it certainly could look more generic or, or crappy than than this. So, um, so far, I'm I'm still fine with it, um, but we'll see. It is the, <laughs> it is the taco tie because it fires hot energy from its hind end. That's right. <laughs> I was one. I was waiting. I'm like, where's he going? Where's he going with this taco yeah. thing? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. As exciting as it is to see that two pack, which I think is the the news that really kind of got you excited because you're more right. of an X wing player. I got to be honest that it sort of felt like that paled in comparison to the news we got for Imperial Assault and Rebellion. I mean, it's cool, but I was more stoked to see the stuff for those other couple games. You mean not Armada? Armada, that game still exists. Still waiting on our light cruiser and Corvettes fantasy flight. Oh. Are they on the boat too? <laughs> the boat's it's all safe. on the boat. It's, it's all. It's when they get all to. Right. Um, so 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 let's talk about. Can we let's 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 jump to Imperial Assault then? Okay, because because we got two pieces of news on Imperial Assault. Uh, I've got like three here. Three. Yeah. yeah. You have three. Okay, so the two that I know about, uh-huh. two that I'm recalling, is that we have had, let's see, we have had the uh, release of uh, the newest wave, which is something we're still waiting on, I believe, as of the last time that we were recording. Or I guess there is, yeah, there is the, there's the, the set too. Mm-hmm. Um, but as of the last time we were recording, we had the, uh, uh, the next wave on its way, and it finally has arrived. So we now have Hera with Chopper from yep. Rebels. Uh, we now have uh, BT-1 and Triple Zero, that is how you're supposed to say it, Triple Zero, not Zero Zero Zero, uh, from, of course, the Darth Vader and uh, Afra comics, of course, that got a two-pack. And then we have the Jawa Scavenger. And I found this one interesting, one, because, what, Jawa Scavenger? Mm-hmm. What? That's that's an odd one to put in there with the other two that are pairs. Um, I'm a big fan of the characters found in the other two, but it was interesting to me that we've got these different little like companion beings, companion characters that you can have that are sort of an extension of the other characters that usually have a token and have a little card for it, but they're not characters in and of themselves. Right. But what they did here was Chopper is a character in and of himself. So is BT1. So you're getting two different characters in those two two packs which was not what I expected initially. I didn't look into them probably as much as I should have ahead of time. But I was pleasantly surprised to see that. So we've got some pretty cool new additions, uh, droid-wise and otherwise, 
Mm -hmm. um, for Imperial Assault. And that's just the stuff that's new that finally arrived, let alone the stuff they've just announced. Right. And I think the Jawa makes a lot of sense coming out with these because, as, as you notice, we've got three droids that have come out in this wave. And then you add that with all the past droids. Uh, I think the Jawa is, is pretty cool. And I think we're going to see um, some mechanics maybe similar to like uh, what the Ugnats could do uh, previously. So I, I think that um, I'll have to look at it because I'll be honest, I haven't really checked out the, the Jawas card or anything to see. But I could I could see um, the Jawas doing things with um, droids and tech in the game I think could be very interesting. Of course, we do have new announcements then. Mm -hmm. um, for those who are looking for more characters, more uh, ally and villain packs, they're really going all out on a, a force aspect for this next wave that they've got coming up. Um, we have now seen the announcement of Maul, not listed as Darth Maul, just Maul, um, that appears to be his, his look from Rebels rather than any of his previous appearances. Uh, and then we have Emperor Palpatine getting a villain pack. And... Ahsoka Tano, again, in her Rebels rather than Clone Wars era persona. So we have more Force users being thrown in here, and they're all in, in pretty cool action poses. you got Maul kind of lunging forward with his double-bladed lightsaber with the little guard on it. Um, you have Ahsoka there holding uh, both of her lightsabers, the, the two different pieces there, her white lightsabers facing backward. And then you've got the Emperor, of Palpatine course, in a... Do the, do the yeah. tickle. He's like in he's like in a tickle stance. Is that a not what he's doing? That, I'm pretty sure that is a that is one of two things. It's probably not a tickle stance. It is either him using force lightning or he's doing his best Clinton impression with his uh I feel your pain and your boobies. <laughs> well, either way, man, I don't see any lightning. Yeah, there's no lightning actually. <laughs> Where are the toy makers to put the translucent lightning onto the guy's fingers here? Right. So he can, uh, there needs to be a card that just that's just no, no, you will die. Or something like that. Um, but I think it's kind of cool that we're leaning this direction again. Because it seems as though, granted, given the era, there's not a lot of Force users to be had for that era uh, of storytelling. But it seems as though we, we've, they've been kind of just barely dabbling into the Force users here and there. Mm -hmm. Rather than really going whole hog with them. So that most of the characters um, that are in the game, either as allies, villains, whatever... Um, are tending to be more on sort of the the, the military side right. of things, the, which the I think hardware is side of things, rather than mystical. Yeah, which yeah, which does fit that type of game. It's just one of the things that makes Star Wars feel like Star Wars is the Force and and such. So right, it's right. nice to have a little bit more of that type of ambiance being brought into the game with these uh yeah these yeah, new characters. Yeah, you definitely have to have the balance, and I'm glad that they're they're starting to sort of fall toward it because it, it could be very easy for them to. Um, do it in such a way that people are only playing force characters and you're not seeing the, uh, the more military combat uh, style as well. And I, I've seen that in the past. I can't think of anything right off uh, the top of my head, but to me that can also become sort of uh, boring. So I, I like a good mix and I think that they're really finding that balance. And of course, if they've just announced a new wave of figures or ally and villain packs usually what that means is that there's another of the big expansions on the way it doesn't always mean that for imperial assault it's a little maddening sometimes to figure out which waves are just the minis and which waves actually have a new expansion but this one actually does 
those three characters are tied into another boxed expansion that's being released for Imperial Assault called Heart of the Empire. Um, and it looks pretty cool. You've got some new player characters. Um, you have a, a Jared Kelvin with uh, Jax, so one of those little sidekick characters like I was mentioning. Um, you've got a new Serian character. It looks like a new, kind of looks Wookiee-ish type character there. But um, amongst them, you have uh, you have a Claw Knight. You have a Stormtrooper, a Riot Trooper, I guess. It has the shield and the baton and everything. You have a, uh, I'm assuming it's one of those, I have, I have to look and see the exact name of it here. I just call them Let's, Dark Troopers. I know uh, oh, the, yeah, yeah. They look, that's what I'm saying. They look like Dark Troopers, but they're not right. Dark Troopers. Yeah. Uh, a sentry, a sentry droid. Um, but they actually, they did like they did back in the original set for Imperial Assault, which is that they're giving us another walker this time. Mm-hmm. So now we've got the relatively large ATDP to go along with our ATSTs from way back at the beginning of the game. So um, lots of new map tiles, 130 new cards, um, new allies, villains, and seemingly, again, with the little tokens to represent Ahsoka, Maul, and Palpatine. So if you want to play with those characters, but don't want to necessarily buy the ally or villain packs, at least they're in that set. Again, you can you can tell that by what their, their description is of the set and a couple of the tokens that they actually show in some of their preview images. So it is another consumer-friendly approach, which, again, I love that about Imperial Assault, that they're not forcing the ally or villain packs down our throats if we just want to be able to say we've played as those characters. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm a campaign guy. I'm not a skirmish guy. So, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I'm, you an, I'm, I'm one of the bad versions of an Imperial Assault player. I'm not <laughs> in the cool club. I don't do the skirmish. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I haven't, I haven't been doing skirmish here lately either. I've got to get back to uh, our local store here. But there is good news. And I think, I think this is something that we hadn't talked about. Maybe we did, but. Uh-huh. I, don't, I, I feel like I would remember it being a bigger deal. It was news that was was announced on May 5th. So I don't think we've had a chance to talk about it. And that is that the Rebellion, which we all thought was this standalone, cool Star Wars strategy game that's actually really good, mm-hmm. is getting an expansion. Yeah. Which is freaking awesome yeah. to have a game that nobody thought was going to build beyond what it was to start with and now get this expansion that's called Rise of the Empire based around events tying into events and characters tying into Rogue One. That that was awesome, and just to see that because it's a fun experience, and it's it's different than all those others because you haven't really felt the need to go out and buy all these different packs. If they can keep this to, here's the big box, here's an expansion, but not hey and buy all this little stuff too. I think they could have another winning product line here because it is a really fun strategy game. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not usually into those types of games, and I did like this one. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's really cool. Yeah, that's what I was talking about for saying, you know, let's end on that and not the the Armada news. But uh, oh, OK, I thought you were I thought you were just like dismissing, just saying, you know, well, we're going to have to end on a bad note because we don't know of any other news. Oh, gotta no. be more... So, so I, I stole your thunder and and talked about no, that's cool. We're um, there now. It's another so. of these third quarter of 2017 things, though. So assuming it's third quarter. Usually that means we're going to get it around like the end of the third quarter or maybe the beginning of the fourth quarter. It'll be like on the boat, again, to make <laughs> right. the reference by the third quarter. So we're probably looking at really in the in the marketing blitz lead up to The Last Jedi by the time mm-hmm. that one comes out uh, to reference the previous year's movie. 
Um, but I'm stoked. I, I can't wait to see that one. I think that's one of those ones that you and I should start getting together on a more regular basis to uh, yeah. to play through some com- some camp- campaign stuff or something. And Rebellion would be a perfect one to do and for me to stomp you, <laughs> <laughs> boss. Uh, yeah, no, that's um, and that's certainly something that. Um is is a lot easier to do now and uh we we could manage so i mean it seems like all this news came a bit late mm-hmm. but it is good that finally it feels like we're getting back into the swing of things not just us you know recording and whatnot but there actually is stuff to cover it's not us getting together like often happens and it's so are there any news bites that we can you know <laughs> talk about right that right there is news coming and thankfully it looks like a steady stream of products uh, on the way. Uh, I will say that I will do some homework for the show. I will take one for the team. And, I, and by the next time that we record, um, I'll have some information available so we can talk about exactly how the uh, pricing structure works or at least worked in the recent past relative to um, video games and like what percentage goes to what for those physical copies so we can get a sense of, of the profitability and that sort of thing. I want to say they cover that. One of my favorite internet... Uh, video game guys of all time, who's not even really a video game guy per se. He's a stock analyst, I believe. Uh, a guy named Michael Pactor, I believe, covered that on his old show, Pack Attack, for GameTrailers.com. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to find that and some more information and maybe bring that to light. But those who want to get a preview of, of that information, hunt that down. Pack Attack was a fantastic, um, really enlightening, business-based video game show. I'm assuming most of it's uh, on YouTube at this point. As I plug somebody else's stuff that I've never met. See? (laughs) See? So you don't just plug your own book. Not always. Wait, what book was that? Do you mean A Saga (laughs) on Home Video? A Fan's Guide to U.S. Star Wars Video? Ah, damn it, and I messed up my own title. You mean, uh, yeah, you mean that A Saga on Home Video? A Star Wars fans? Ah, I give up. (laughs) Yeah. I said, I'm tired. It's just called A Saga on Home Video. I don't care about the subtitle anymore. What, I just want to eat something, man. <laughs> yeah, why, why don't you go ahead and tell us about uh, go ahead and tell us about your uh, your book and and some of the other places that you can be found. Then I get to eat. Um, yes, uh, of course. My most recent uh, work, a saga on home video, a fan's guide to U.S. Star Wars home video releases. See, it's just a mouthful. Uh, can now be found on places like Amazon.com and the like. There are now some reviews up there if you want to see some other people's opinions about it before you decide whether or not to pick up the book. I want to say Amazon's got it for right around 12 bucks at this point. Um, free Prime shipping and all that good stuff. Uh, you can also get it outside the country on the other Amazon sites. And I believe you can now order it through its ISBN number elsewhere as well. Um, of course, you can find me also on Star Wars Beyond the Films, also on StarWarsReport.com, which I host with Mark Herleman, talking about Star Wars comics and and uh, novels and all kinds of story-based stuff. And then, of course, I have my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Radio, where you can find things like, apropos to this show, uh, Fantasy Flight Games product reviews as they're released, so you can actually see the products, and plenty of PlayStation VR Let's Plays recently, including a run-through of the aforementioned Star Trek bridge cruise uh, first couple of missions. Um, so, I'm around. <laughs> Man, I need to eat. Excellent. And I'm not at quite as many places. I can just be found at Morris Isley on Twitter and Instagram. But you can always find stuff for the show over at uh, StarWarsReport.com. 
Of course, we are on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and uh, the Star Wars app on the Google Play Store. And then, of course, you can always... Why do you you guys always say the Star Wars app? You say the Star Wars app, and Mark says the Star Wars app. It's not the Star Wars app, right? We're being found on the Star Wars podcast app, or are we talking about the official app? Did I miss that we're on the official app somewhere? Uh, Yeah, we're on the official... No, you're right. It's the Star Wars podcast app. Yes, the one... Yes, yes, the fantastic one. <laughs> Someone's put going together by fellow podcasters with, with the little sound bites, and they're like, "I see BB-8 and R2, but where's Mike and Nate?" But uh, let's see. So, of course, and you can also send us an email because we love to read emails on the show. Um, just send that over to cloudcitycasino at gmail.com. And uh, what am I? I feel like I'm missing something. What am I missing? The reviews. Your Twitter? No, I gave my Twitter. Well, I guess, oh, oh. oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wasn't. We have the uh, the show's Twitter, which is just Cloud City Casino. And uh, same thing on Facebook. And besides that, leave us a review on iTunes, please. Because it allows other people to, the way the, the analytics and all that goes. And five stars, positive. Please. It helps. Thank quoth, you. Quoth Ben Shapiro, if it's not five stars, we don't want it. Yeah, that. Get on it. And never forget. Let the Wookiee win. Especially when you're in a situation where the hosts keep like tripping over their own feet the last few minutes because they're both so worn out. Just let the Wookiee win and go to sleep. Or he'll make it join a gang. You're you're stretching here. You're stretching here, pal. You are uh, you are elongated like uh, Mr. Fantastic, but maybe I didn't need to say it that way. Um, <laughs> oh, 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 wow. I said that and I was like, oh, damn. Oh, if you hadn't called sorry. attention to it, I would have never noticed. But anyhow, getting back on track here. <laughs> Some, someone would have noticed. Um, yeah. No, we're talking about... Uh, 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 sorry, you're just, you can just... No, you're fine. My, yeah, the, the my, Star brain Wars went, my brain went spinning off there. You're good. You're good. So, um... This party's over.